Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on Camden Chat. I had a podcast long ago. Here in 2023, I'm back. Whether you've been reading me forever or just found me today, I'm glad to have you here with me. Let's talk some Orioles. It's April the 5th in 2023. It's a very exciting day in Birdland because... Just before Tuesday night's game, there was reports that top prospect, top pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez is going to be called up to make his major league debut on Wednesday afternoon's game against the Rangers. Uh, that has not been officially confirmed by the team as of this recording. Uh, the in fact, after Tuesday's game, manager Brandon Hyde in the post game did not announce a starter when pressed by Orioles beat writers. So. Let's just quickly summarize what's gone on the day before we're listening to this. Of course, the Orioles beat the Rangers 7-2 to on Tuesday night, improved their record on the season to 3-2. and That ties them with the Yankees for second place in the American League East. It leaves both of these teams two games back of the as-yet-undefeated Tampa Bay Rays. It was the first series win of the year for the Orioles. They will have a chance at a Wednesday sweep as they, make, uh, as they try and uh, support Rodriguez's debut, of course, we're all assuming he will be the starting pitcher, but it has not yet been announced. And if he is the starting pitcher in his home state of Texas, as he gets the debut, he's going to be going up against two-time Cy Young winner Jacob deGrom for the Rangers. So that's pretty exciting. We can hope that uh, this time tomorrow, it's still exciting as well. Of course, Rodriguez is going to be joining the team because of the chain reaction set in motion when Kyle Bradish took a line drive off of what looked like his foot or ankle area in Monday's game, leading to 
scheduled Tuesday starter Tyler Wells being pressed for multiple innings of relief on Monday, and then scheduled Wednesday starter Kyle Gibson to end up pitching on Tuesday instead, leaving nobody on the major league team as a starter able to cover the Wednesday game because the uh, the Friday off day last week is what allowed Gibson to move up a day and still be on regular rest. But uh, that was we couldn't keep the carousel going because Dean Kramer would not be on uh, regular rest if he pitched in the Wednesday game. So let's get a let's get a big elephant in the room. So one of the first confusing things when the Orioles called up Rodriguez is, well, wait a minute. What about the bonus draft pick that they would have lost? Well, that they did lose by not having him on the opening day roster. Well, there's good news about that. Baseball America's J.J. Cooper tweeted out after the Rodriguez news uh, was uh, was reported that Rodriguez, in fact, could still be eligible to get the team a bonus draft pick. And the conditions for that draft pick are if Rodriguez wins the AL Rookie of the Year in 2023, or if he finishes top three in either MVP or Cy Young voting within the first three seasons of his career. So the reason why he qualifies for this is that although a shorthand in most of the articles that have written about what's called the prospect promotion incentive have used opening day, uh, they they've used opening day as a shorthand for what you need to be, you know, to be on the opening day roster. But the actual language is that you need to get, have a player get a full year of service time. And that actually counts as 172 days out of 186 days in the baseball season. So by calling up Grayson Rodriguez within about a week of the start of the season, he's still going to be able to get the 172 days that actually counts as a full year, assuming, of course, that the Orioles do not do something weird and send Rodriguez back down to the minors after calling him up for this start, which is why I didn't really believe they were going to call up Rodriguez in the first place, or D.L. Hall, who, by the way, pitched uh, for Norfolk on Tuesday and was not very good. I didn't think they were going to call up either one of those guys to make this Bradish replacement because I didn't think they were going to be ready to have either of them up for good yet. So I guess we're going to see what will happen with that. I really don't want uh, Rodriguez to end up in the territory that the previous Orioles general manager and front office regime, Dan Duquette, ended up doing with Kevin Gossman, where he was constantly going up or down. He was constantly in and out of the bullpen. The team, for whatever reason, just was not committing to put him in the starting rotation and let him take his lumps and develop. And, you know, Gossman was never as good as anybody uh, hoped he would be when he was with the Orioles. I think that jerking around in his early years certainly didn't help. Uh, He, of course, then escaped from the old Orioles front office when he was traded away and has uh, has blossomed much more since then. So, you know, the, the thing I always remember with Kevin Crossman, I, I, it's a few years now, I might be a little hazy on some of the details, but there was one of these times they had him in the minors and, um, and he went on the injured list or what was then called the disabled list, I guess. And initially they, um, they diagnosed him with like a strained intercostal muscle, which is like you're, you're in between your ribs. And, um, and that was what the di- initial diagnosis was. And then a few days later, maybe it was even a couple weeks later, it turned out that actually Kevin Gossman had pneumonia 
And uh, that was what was causing the pain in his rib area. And I guess that, you know, pneumonia shows up on x-rays or whatever as well. And then I believe when Gossman was recovering from this pneumonia, when he was still like getting kind of rehab starts in the minors, they called him up on short notice to start on short rest on a day game against the Tigers, who were very fearsome that season. So, I mean, it was just like they they just they didn't want him to put him in the best possible um, position to succeed. And I really I guess with that being my my most recent memory, which, again, even this was, you know, nearly a decade ago now. Uh, I, I really hope the Mike Elias regime is not going to start down the same road with Rodriguez. I, I hope that if he's coming up, he's coming up for good. We'll see what roster move ends up being made. Um, of course, the most obvious would be if Radish's injury requires him to go on the injured list. That is not certain as of this recording. Uh, the Athletics' Dan Connolly mentioned a possibility that Keegan Aiken could go on the paternity list as his wife is due to give birth very, very soon. So that would be easy for the Orioles to open up a uh, roster space, at least for the Wednesday game, if that can be done. But it's not a, it's not even a short-term solution beyond the Wednesday game because you only get to be on the paternity list for a couple of days and then you're back. And then the Orioles would have to either demote Rodriguez or demote somebody else. Or maybe they just want to give Radish a couple more days to see if he's going to be well enough to pitch uh, after like one turn of the rotation. I, who knows? Uh, of course, that Braddish injury, it gave me uncomfortable flashbacks to even farther back when uh, Brad Bergeson took a line drive off the knee from Kansas City's Billy Butler. Still cursed on Camden Chat solely for that. Brad Bergeson was off to a nice start of that season, was never really that good of a pitcher. Again, uh, everybody on Camden Chat is kind of a joke blames Billy Butler for that, but Let's be honest, Bergeson was never much of a pitching prospect, and probably he was always doomed to kind of fall back a little bit. And Rodriguez, of course, in his first Norfolk start, he didn't do much to show that he had dealt with the command problems that he was dealing with in spring training. So why the Orioles have brought him up, I, I just didn't think they would, because if they really had him down to work on command, I didn't think they'd kind of panic bring him up. And so you know, we'll, we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens with that. I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm nervous. Uh, you know, like that old say by the bell episode or whatever. Um, so, okay, let's reset on Grayson Rodriguez right now. He is the number seven prospect in all of baseball on MLB pipeline. He's the number two pitching prospect in the game behind only Philadelphia's Andrew Painter, who at this moment is on the injured list with a UCL sprain that is mild enough that they're hoping maybe he will not need Tommy John surgery, painter, that is. And, you know, you never feel good if that's your team's prospect that's going through that. So the scouting report on Rodriguez that's got him as the number seven prospect in, in part says, quote, Rodriguez has an outstanding four-pitch mix with a chance to have at least three-plus pitches in his repertoire. His high-spin fastball touches triple digits, could easily sit in the mid to upper 90s deep into starts, and he throws the pitch with plus life. He might have the best changeup in the minors, a mid-80s off-speed pitch that he tunnels well off his fastball to create deception and hard late life. He misses bats with his mid-80s slider, and even his fourth pitch, a tighter low 80s curve, has improved. End quote. If that's the guy who shows up with command, really the sky is the limit, and that's what everybody's been getting hyped for in Birdland for a couple of years. 
Now, it is worth mentioning other publications have questioned if Rodriguez is still exactly that kind of pitcher after his suffering the lat injury that kept him from making his big league debut in 2022. One of the reports for this year uh, from Fangraphs, where Rodriguez fell a bit farther down the prospect list, although I believe was still in the top 20, uh, mentioned the possibility that Rodriguez had lost some velocity after the injury. I think that seems to have already been debunked just from his first outing in 2023, which, by the way, AAA games are now all available on MLB's StatCast. So you can look up things like all the pitch velocities, all the movement, all the exit velocities for batters, and that kind of thing. It's all on StatCast now at the AAA level. Now, the FanGast report also said that Rodriguez had lost some spin rate on some of his pitches. That's a bit more unclear. The, um, the publicly available data on minor league guys' spin rate is not as great, so there's not as much to compare against year to year. So which of these Rodriguez is going to show up against the Texas lineup later today? Well, I don't know. Hopefully it's a fun one. I will be right back after a brief message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so let's say a little bit more about the excellent Tuesday victory over the Rangers. Now, as you know from listening to this podcast, I was a little bit nervous about the Orioles pitching staff going up against a Rangers offense that had scored 29 runs against the Phillies over their first series. Well, Orioles pitching staff is doing pretty good to quiet those concerns. And Kyle Gibson, much to my surprise, is the latest one to put up some great numbers. He's responded to this rotation chaos by putting up a seven-inning two-run start on Tuesday evening. That is just fantastic. It's exactly what the Orioles needed right now. Um, I don't want to go so far as to say he's already earned his contract with that start, but that's the kind of thing that the Orioles were hoping that he would be able to bring to the team, be some kind of stabilizing presence, perhaps in crisis situations just like this. And he, he, he really couldn't have done more. I guess you could theoretically say, um, well, he could have, you know, given up no runs. Or as I remember from several years ago, there was an excellently pitched game, I believe by Chris Tillman in Toronto. And then announcer Gary Thorne openly, uh, he mused to his broadcast partner that night, Jim Palmer, have you ever seen a better pitching outing than that? And Jim Palmer, being Jim Palmer, said, well, I did throw a no-hitter. So yes, if you didn't throw a perfect game, you could always do something better as a pitcher. But you really can't hope for much better from any pitcher anytime than seven innings, two runs allowed. What a fun game. Uh, this fact I saw on Twitter from Steve Malewski, the Orioles, by hitting multiple home runs in the Tuesday game, have now tied a team record by having multiple home run games in each of their first five games. And that last happened in 1994. So... You know, well, 1994, not a very auspicious year because it didn't finish. The baseball season didn't get to its natural end because of the strike. But, you know, that was actually not a bad year for the Orioles. And it's a shame that the strike did not let them go all the way. So hopefully, uh, I guess 2023, now that they've tied that record, that will end up being, um, uh, it'll end up being a fun year in the Birdland Annals. And we will see how that goes. 
the most clutch player, as I've been discussing through this podcast since the season started, by win probability added, the clutch play of the game was, in fact, Ryan Mountcastle's three-run home run that made the game five to nothing in the second inning. This single play shifted the winning percentage in the Orioles' favor by 17.6%. That makes him the clutch Oriole of the game. They've played five games. They've had five different clutch players so far. Not bad. Mountcastle hit his second home run of the year in the Masson postgame interview. They kind of made fun of him a little bit for the mustache he's been growing, but I guess as long as he's getting hits like he did on Tuesday, maybe he will have the mustache stick around. Who knows? Either way, I'm glad to see that so far, Mountcastle has been off to a nice start to his season. As you know, if you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning, that's really, I think, one of the keys is whether Mountcastle can end up having his um, what was what looked like from his Statcast batted ball data to be really bad luck. If Mountcastle can reverse that batted ball luck in the 2023 season, I think that's one of the Orioles' kind of big picture keys to success. So we'll see if he can do it. Of course, it's only been five games, so we really don't want to panic about anything. But if five games are all you've got to talk about, then five games are all you've got to talk about. So before we wrap up, I'm going to open up the mailbag. And as a reminder, you can email me at camdencastpod at gmail.com. I'm going to try my very best to read at least one email every episode. And our email from this episode comes from Camden Chat Reader, Blue Heron 22. So thank you, Blue Heron, for writing in. And Blue Heron asks a few questions that all kind of relate to one another. He wants to know, do you have any theories on why the Orioles did not spend more money on starters this offseason? Do you think Elias is being patient and waiting for a particular opportunity to acquire a competent starter for cheap rather than overpaying on the open market? And is it possible he viewed this season as a season the team may regress, as you alluded to in an earlier episode, and is waiting till next offseason? Well, Blue Heron, I would really like to know what Elias is thinking as well. I think one thing it's very important to keep in mind with Mike Elias is he is pretty good at uh, saying words that sound smart, but don't necessarily tip you off on what he's thinking. I don't think this is a bad quality to have. I think it's better than, for instance, his predecessor, Dan Duquette, who just kind of sounded like he didn't really know what the heck he was talking about, while also not giving you a sense of what he was thinking. Elias seems like he has a plan to me that he just doesn't like to tell people about. So I don't really know uh, if his plan is that he doesn't like the prices of the starting pitchers and he's trying to wait for one to become available for cheap. I don't know if it's more like Elias is kind of covering for the fact that John Angelos, who's been maligned in an earlier episode of this podcast, just has not yet opened up the pocketbook, so to speak, for the Orioles payroll as much as fans think that he should so far. But I do think that it's really possible that also Elias believes that uh, the team could could do that regression, as really has been recently historically the case in Major League Baseball. The teams in the Orioles position tend to not be as good as the previous year. Um, it's it's hard to say. Elias did kind of ruffle some feathers over the offseason because he was asked about spending money on starting pitchers. And he kind of, uh, well, I guess you could say he, he dissembled or prevaricated a little bit by saying something like, well, you know, when you sign a pitcher, the first year of the contract tends to be the best year. And so you want to wait until the, the right moment to sign one to make sure you're getting a good deal. 
I don't know to what extent, um, let's say, the facts line up with that uh, assessment that Elias offered. But if, if that's what he believes, maybe that's really what he believes. And so maybe that's why he's waiting till next offseason. But, you know, it, it could also be that he wanted to have one few, you know, one less spot locked down into the future. If, for instance, he believes in guys like Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish, as well as Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Of course, you get John Means back possibly later in the year. And Elias already traded for Cole Irvin, who's under the Orioles control through uh, the end of the 2026 season. So you don't necessarily, if you think that can be a good rotation out of that guy, or plus some guys also in the minors, like pitching prospects, uh, Drew Rahm and Kate Povich and others who are maybe a bit less heralded at the moment, unless they start getting some some uh, results at the high minors. If, if he really does think that can be a starting rotation that competes for a playoff spot, then maybe he doesn't think that's the best place to allocate the payroll. Maybe he could instead, you know, start giving out some uh, contract extensions to the Orioles position players, or maybe even sign free agents uh, at spots that would be improved and can't necessarily have an immediate prospect improvement. Um, to be determined, of course, from their 2023 results, if these guys look like even medium-term answers, but somebody like Austin Hayes or Anthony Santander, I think, depending on how they do in 2023, Elias could think, okay, maybe spending money to upgrade those positions is where he wants to spend his money. So I, I don't really know what is the most likely. Of course, the classic is uh, apply Occam's razor and think the simplest solution is probably the best. And I, you know, I don't really know which of these counts as the simplest. They're all have some complexity to them, depending on your belief about uh, Elias's long-term plan for the Orioles rebuilding project that has now been deemed to have moved out of the rebuild phase, depending on your uh, thoughts about John Angelos and his assorted public comments and not really committing to increasing the payroll, um, depending on your beliefs on those, your, that may have a different uh, take on what you think is the most simple. I, I, and I, I really don't know. So I hope that the Orioles play well enough and have good enough starting pitching that we aren't having heartburn about not signing a better guy. Uh, at least at this moment, fresh off a nice Gibson start, it doesn't feel too bad. Uh, we will see how long that good feeling continues. Of course, it felt pretty bad after the three starting pitching outings in Boston. And now between Tyler Wells and Kyle Gibson over the last two days, it's starting to feel a little bit better. We're going to need to see some better stuff from Cole Irvin and Dean Kramer before we can start to say, okay, you know what, it's better. But um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I am, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with the 2023 Orioles. That's really what it gets down to. At moments, I may sound pessimistic, but, you know, the Orioles are 3-2, and two, and I am excited to see what happens. So, again, that's the mailbag for this episode. You can email me, camdencastpod at gmail.com. I am really, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get to read emails out and, uh, and share some thoughts. So, if you want to have your thought on the show, please write in. Now, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a rating or review. You can search for CamdenCast on most modern podcasting platforms. Not a complete list is Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon. I know there's more. If the show is currently missing on your podcast, please let me know. 
there are going to be new episodes near as often as life allows every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. So I would be glad if you can subscribe and be along for the ride as again, what will hopefully be a fun 2023 Orioles season. The first five games, well, they gave us some angst in Boston, but now they're uh, they're they're coming back around against what looked like a good team over the opening weekend, the Rangers. So with that in mind, good luck to Grayson Rodriguez and the Orioles on his debut. I uh, I, I just I'm, I'm going to be so pumped if it goes well. I'm going to be so bummed if it goes bad. You know, that, that's really the worst thing, I guess, about uh, Orioles games meaning something. They can hurt us again. That's great. And it's also terrible. So that's all I've got for today. Good Morning Birdland is a Cam- Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. I'll see you next time. Until then, go O's.